Hello, my friend, and welcome to Wisdom Trek. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, your guide to wisdom and creating a living legacy. Thank you for joining us for our five-day-per-week wisdom and legacy-building podcast. We are broadcasting from our studios in the Big House in Marietta, Ohio. This is day 936 of our trek, and it is Wisdom Wednesday. Creating a biblical worldview is important in order to have a proper perspective on today's current events. To establish a biblical worldview, it is required that you also have a proper understanding of God's Word. Especially in our Western cultures, we do not fully understand the scriptures from the mindset and the cultures of the authors. In order to help us all have a better understanding of some of the more obscure passages in God's Word, we are investing Wisdom Wednesdays reviewing a series of essays from one of today's most prominent Hebrew scholars, Dr. Michael S. Heiser. He has compiled these essays into a book titled, I Dare You Not to Bore Me with the Bible. Words are important, and as part of creating a solid biblical worldview, it is important to study some of the key and maybe controversial words within the Bible. While the human authors of God's Word had a specific meaning in mind when they chose certain words, translating them can cause us to have questions, especially those who want to try to dispute the Bible. So today, essay explores Emmanuel's mother, virgin or not. The prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 is one of the most well-known passages in the book of Isaiah, and it is also one of the most controversial for several reasons. And let me read that verse to you. All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now the word virgin in this passage is a Hebrew word, Alma. It is difficult to get through Christmas or Easter seasons without seeing one of the major news periodicals or educational television networks cast doubt about the meaning of Alma, which is translated in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, which is usually translated as virgin. A favorite argument among those who dispute this is that the Hebrew word Alma cannot mean virgin, but instead refers to a young woman of marriageable age without respect to prior sexual activity. The more precise word for virgin in the Hebrew is batula, a word that is not used in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. The New Testament author Matthew, we are so often told by those who dispute it, mistakenly assumed that the term meant virgin. The argument is that in his ignorance of the original Hebrew word led to the doctrine of the virgin birth of Jesus. But are these assertions correct? It is true that Batula refers to someone who has been sexually inactive, but does that mean Alma never means virgin? The word Batula is found in Leviticus chapter 21 verse 3, Judges 21 verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 23 and 28, and Exodus chapter 22 verse 15. Outside of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, the word Alma occurs only six times in the Old Testament. In all but one of those occurrences, the context provides no clue as to the sexual status of the young woman or women. The verses where that word appears are Genesis chapter 24 verse 43, Exodus chapter 2 verse 8, Psalms chapter 68 verse 25, Song of Solomon chapter 1 verses 1 and chapter 6 verse 8, and Proverbs chapter 30 verse 10. Virginity is suggested, however, in Song of Solomon chapter 6 verse 8, where Alma occurs in the plural Alamot. 
And that verse reads, Even among sixty queens and eighty concubines and countless young women. The distinction between queens, concubines, and alamot, or young women, is very important. A queen is a royal wife, which obviously entails sexual relationships with the king. A concubine was a sexual partner who held certain privileges, but not to the level of the wife. This would suggest that the third group, Alamot, had no sexual relationships with the king. An Alma in this text is a candidate to become a concubine or a wife, but is not one yet. This is precisely what we see in the book of Esther. Esther chapter 2 verse 3 reads, Let the king appoint agents in each providence to bring the beautiful women into the royal harem at the fortress of Susa. Hege, the king's eunuch in charge of the harem, will see that they are all given beauty treatments. The story continues in Esther chapter 2 verse 8. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women, was brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Husa and was placed in Hege's care. Further on, we read that Esther was held in waiting for 12 months with the young virgins, or Batula, under the supervision of Hege, while the king sought a new queen. The use of the Hebrew words Na'ah and Batula in this passage indicates a young woman, Na'ah, could certainly be a virgin, Batula. Esther was eventually taken from the young virgins under Hege to the king for an evening liaison. Afterwards, she was assigned to a second harem supervised by Shagaz, who was in charge of the concubines. Esther chapter 2 verse 14 indicates that Esther was no longer a virgin at that point, but now a concubine. That Esther and the king had sexual relationships during the night is clear from Esther chapter 2 verse 14. And it reads, That evening she was taken to the king's private rooms, and the next morning she was brought to the second harem, where the king's wives lived. There she would be under the care of Shagaz, the king's eunuch in charge of the concubines. She would never go to the king again unless he had especially enjoyed her and requested her by name. To go into a man or a woman is a common Old Testament euphemism for sexual intercourse, and this can be found in Genesis chapter 16, verse 2, 29, verse 21, 38, verse 8, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 13, 25, verse 5, and Judges 15, verse 1. The Esther story describes the king's harem as divided into three groups, the queen, the concubines, and the young virgins. The last of these groups is described as Na'abatula, young virgins. In parallel, the Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 8, which we read previously, has the same threefold distinction, but uses Alma, or actually the plural, Alamot, to describe the third group, or virgins. This indicates that Na'abatula and Alamot can all three be descriptions of virgins. Nonetheless, since Esther was never called Alma, could almost still be excluded from the Old Testament vocabulary for virgin. If the assertion is true that Alma cannot mean virgin, and if that is correct, Na'ah and Betula must never overlap Alma, but they do. In Genesis chapter 24, Rebekah is referred to all three terms, Na'ah in chapter 24 verse 14, Betula in chapter 24 16, and Alma in chapter 24 verse 43 indicating that these terms could certainly be used or construed as synonymous. But why do we need a word study? In the ancient culture, a woman of marriageable age, like Mary, was a female who had at least reached puberty and so was capable of bearing children. 
daughters in such a culture were under close supervision and restraint. Even in today's sex-saturated culture, a significant number of girls in their teen years still are virgins. How much more would it have been true of a young woman in this culture? Matthew was raised in this culture, and also with the Book of Esther, so it should be of no surprise that no incongruity in understanding Alma to mean virgin. This would certainly be the logical conclusion in the minds and the culture in which the Bible was written. Knowing this type of information can assist us in building our biblical worldview. And that will conclude our essay for this week. Next Wisdom Wednesday, we will continue with the Old Testament as we look at Dr. Heiser's next essay titled, Standing in the Council. I believe that you'll find this another interesting topic to consider as we build our biblical worldview. Tomorrow, we will continue with our three-minute humor nugget that will provide you with a bit of cheer, which will help you to lighten up and live a rich and satisfying life. So encourage your friends and family to join us and then come along with us tomorrow for another day of Wisdom Trek, Creating a Legacy. If you'd like to listen to in the past 935 treks or read the Wisdom Journal, they are all available at wisdom-trek.com. I encourage you to subscribe to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts so that each day's trek will be downloaded to you automatically. And thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, But most importantly, I am your friend as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal. And as we take this trek of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and then leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain reminding you to keep moving forward, enjoy your journey, and then create a great day every day. See you tomorrow.